Today on CityCast Boise, a local lawmaker wants to improve birth control access, the GOP ousts one of their own leaders, and a board to review maternal deaths could get revamped. Plus, what's up with that cannibalism bill? Boise State Public Radio's Jimmy Dawson breaks down the news from the Capitol. Happy Friday! It's February 16th. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is what Boise's talking about. Jimmy, happy Friday. How are you holding up? Happy Friday, Frankie. <laughs> it's finally Friday. Uh, yeah, uh, holding up is is a word. It's, it's a, a relative term. term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk more about the session and how things are going and stuff later on. But uh, let's get into some specific bills that I know you've been watching and I'm curious to learn more about. Um, one I need, well, it got kind of two. It's kind of like two bills that in my mind, I'm kind of seeing uh, two sides of the same coin in some ways. So let's start with this one about uh, greater access to birth control, um, sponsored by Boise Democrat Senator Melissa Wintrow. What is this bill exactly? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't think that, uh, you know, women need men to explain to them that, <laughs> you know, they can only usually pick up uh, prescription hormonal birth control for like one to three months at a time, depending yeah. on your coverage. Yeah, it is uh, a real pain in my ass. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> can, you, can you get those delivered? I, I've, I've always wondered that. Is that That's like a, a great question? If that exists, someone should tell me because that would be really convenient. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So so anyway, basically, this bill would just make it so insurance companies would have to cover those types of birth control for uh, six months at a time so that you would have uh, a much larger stockpile at home. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't have to, you know, do do that whole, uh, you know, situation for you know, at least twice a year would would be the the limit right. there. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to at least four times a year, if not more, depending on if you can get the three month refill. Yeah, and so, uh, but not everybody likes this. It seems like a it's a, it's it's a great idea in my opinion, um, and a lot of people's opinions. But not everyone like this likes this. I heard in your story, uh, Republican Dan Foreman, for example. What's his issue? So he, like a lot of Republicans who were opposed to it, who, you know, stood up and, and talked about it anyway, basically were like, yeah, okay, you know, on the surface, this sounds like a good idea. I don't really see any practical reason why that shouldn't be. But also, we don't want to overly regulate these sorts of private businesses, um, which also Senate Assistant Majority Leader Abby Lee was like, yeah, they're, they're basically, uh, you know, regulated monopolies was was the quote that that she threw out there. But that's, you know, that's been a large concern about, you know, this whole issue and types of bills like this in general for, for a very long time, uh, you know, in Idaho and other conservative states across the country as well. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, after the Dobbs decision and after our trigger bans went into place uh, to ban abortions uh, in almost every single case, you know, there was this fear about contraceptions being next. And so to see this bill so far get as far as it has uh, gives people like me hope, at least. Um, I did. I have to quote, quote, share the quote from Abby Lee that you referenced in your story. Uh, Those of you who are not female on this floor have the option to get your birth control at any gas station or convenience store any day you would like to. So uh, very good point. Um, So next steps, how did the vote come down and, and what are the next steps for it? 
Yeah, the vote came down 19 to 16 passing. Okay. Um, now it still needs a public hearing in a House committee. And then if it's successful there, it goes to the floor where it's been defeated in the past. So uh, it's not quite clear what, you know, whether or not it's going to pass. But I believe that this is the fourth or fifth time that a bill similar to this, whether it was a six month supply or a full year supply of contraception uh, would be covered under insurance. Um, that was previously carried by uh, Boise Senator Sheree Buckner Webb. Yeah, we've seen this before and it, it hasn't yet made it past. El- it just feels like right now, I mean, again, given the climate, it almost feels like this would be harder this year than in previous years. Yeah. It, and. You know, to your point, there is actually a group of bipartisan lawmakers, former lawmakers, rather, who have basically supported keeping contraception access open for Idaho women and fighting back uh, any attempts to further restrict access to those uh, in the future. Hmm. Okay. So we'll keep watching that one. Again, that's from uh, Boise Democrat Senator Melissa Wintrow. And then kind of this other bill uh, that's come up from uh, Representative Megan Blanksma, Republican from Hammett, uh, the Maternal Mortality Board. Republicans let this expire last summer. So what's different now? What's different now is they want to take it out of the hands of the Department of Health and Welfare, which, uh, you know, Representative Blanksma has said that They have continued to uh, collect this data over the past year, even though the previous committee review board expired last July. So the data exists. There's just no one to really analyze it and put out a report. So this would organize it under the licensing board of medicine, and they would just grab the data from health and welfare Uh, there. Little inside baseball, but basically the legislature uh, really hates the Department of Health and Welfare right now. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like it. And and so, I mean, they straight up said this in in committees, basically saying, you know, we we don't trust them. (laughs) So uh, we're we're grabbing that power back and giving it to the Board of Medicine. But like you said, they got a lot of flack for this since it was shortly after the uh, very strict abortion ban took effect. Uh, And some critics even thought that it was uh, some kind of way for uh, the state to mask any sort of maternal deaths uh, due to lack of, you know, reproductive health care. Yeah. And I mean, the whole point is that we need data in order to make decisions and without uh, some way to collect the data, analyze it and understand uh, what's happening to women um, and to people who are pregnant and can give birth. uh, We can't make those decisions and can't understand the impact. What have you heard? It's it's faced some pretty heavy criticism, uh, as you said, that that expired. But even still, there are plenty of Republicans, especially a couple of Republican men I heard in um, in the hearing who were like, we don't need this. What's their take? Can you give a a couple of pers- share a couple of their perspectives on why this isn't necessary. Yeah, it's it's true. So the most recent data we have available shows that 17 women uh, either died in 2021 while they were pregnant or within a year of giving birth, which is generally the parameters that. Right. Because um, it can happen after. Obviously, it's not necessarily in childbirth. Exactly. So uh, 17 women that 
number stood out to uh, Republican Representative Tony Vishnievsky. He's a, a guy from Post Falls and was one of the few people who stood up and opposed uh, the committee's reinstatement. And his argument was basically, look, 17 women, that's that's real, but cancer and heart disease and other sorts of health conditions and diseases are far more deadly and we should you know, put resources towards that. Uh, his direct quote was, this is not something that we really need to spend a lot of time and energy on, although it's a sensitive topic. And I realize there's a lot of emotion involved. There are other things we need to consider. But is there fiscal impact? I thought there is no fiscal impact to this. I mean, not really. Uh, it, it's, it's fairly minimal cost to set up meetings, uh, things like that. Sure. So that argument, yeah, falls pretty flat in my mind, at least. But um, uh, and then what was the vote so far? How's that come down just to give us a sense for the possibility of this making it through? Yeah. So there are 70 members of the House and 17 of them voted against it. So still pretty, pretty strongly in support of that. Yeah. And so so plenty of Republican support. And it obviously came from uh, a Republican herself, Megan Blanksma, again. Um, So next step since it's passed the House Uh, again goes through a Senate committee, then on to the Senate if it's successful there. Okay, we'll keep watching it. Okay, so uh, it seems like Republicans in some ways can't decide how much they want to care about women's health uh, in some of these issues. It also seems like they can't really for sure decide who should lead them. Um, Last Friday, a bit of a shocker, at least to me, when Republicans kicked out uh, Representative Megan Blanksma, who we were just talking about, um, kicked her out of leadership. What was what position was she in again? And now she's not in it. And what the hell is going on? Yeah, uh, she was the number two Republican in the entire House. She was majority leader. Um, Basically, it came down to this infighting about budgets. And it's not that sexy to think about, really. But the implications (laughs) are huge. Make it sexy, Jimmy. Make it sexy. I'll do my best to dress up this pig. So (laughs) uh, basically... Uh, there's a new budget process with uh, the relatively new JFAC co-chairs, and they say that it's going to be all way faster. And we're just going to, you know, consider all these extra additions that departments want. Like, you know, if they want to start a new program, if they want to hire new people, that's all going to be a separate bill from the general operating, you know, expenditures. Because ultimately, I just interject here, ultimately, the legislature, like, they need to pass budgets. Like, there's so many of these, like, other bills that come up throughout the session, but that's one of the main, main reasons why they're around is to pass budget for the next year for the state. It's it's honestly like their only directive. They must pass a balanced budget by June 30th. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. But, uh, you know, with 105 different voices uh, come 105 different opinions saying, well, you know, your definition of this is the general operating budget. It didn't include things like, you know, replacing uh, computers, like general things that are usually built into into certain budgets. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so this all came to a head <laughs> and. Blanksma was the only member of Republican leadership to vote against it in the House. And, you know, their side was unsuccessful. And they had been having these multi-hour backroom meetings for a couple days last week. And Hmm. uh, she just lost the confidence of, you know, the, the entire caucus, apparently, and got ousted. 
Wow. So just to be clear, so she was anti this new budget process, at least in this vote. She was, yes. Okay, okay. And then, uh, so she's ousted. Was she, I mean, were you shocked? Was she shocked? <laughs> How much shock was going around? Because it was, it was surprising to me. I mean, th- there's always a lot of tension um, bubbling beneath the surface that we don't necessarily see, or, you know, we might hear some rumblings about, but uh, it seems fairly unprecedented, uh, at least in... You know, several decades, I think Clark Corbin from the Idaho Capital Sun uh, scrounged up this this article written by Betsy Russell back about a decade ago uh, saying that, you know, I think it was the 70s or something that this is the first time this had happened uh, during session. Mid session. Uh, Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so what happened next? Who's now in that role? Yeah. So you got a, another familiar face, uh, Representative Jason Monks, who's a Republican from Meridian. Um, he had unsuccessfully challenged Speaker Mike Moyle for that seat uh, back when, you know, leadership was figured out um, in December 2022. Uh, all the years are running together in my mind right now. But, uh, you know, and so he kind of took a back burner. It didn't seem like there was much, uh, you know, he still was the chairman of one of the most powerful committees, the House Rev and Tax Committee. So it's mm. not like he and Monks or he and Moyle seemingly had too much disagreement uh, or like bad blood left over. Okay. Uh, and then he got elected uh, on Monday earlier this week. So is leadership on the Republican side, is it all? Is it a boys club again? All men now, again, Okay, all right. Um, I have to ask, kind of a segue, because in some ways it's like, oh, they're just tearing each other apart over on the Republican side, uh, which is my very sloppy segue to cannibalism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did you have have cannibalism on your 2024 session bingo card? Because that has come up in the session. None of us did. None of us had that on our bingo card. Uh, and it was just, you know, it, it was a kind of a punching bag on Twitter and other social media as soon as that agenda got posted. And it's from Republican Representative Heather Scott, who's uh, kind of part of the far right coalition here. And yeah, she's part of the Freedom Caucus, right? Yes, I think. Yeah. And and during the bill's introductory hearing, you know, she basically said that she watched this video. I assume it was some sort of prank video, uh, feeding mystery meat to someone, and then they had to choose, you know, what animal did this come from? And one of the uh, options was human flesh. <laughs> uh, and so this bill would make it illegal for someone to feed someone else, human flesh or blood, without their knowledge or consent. I mean, is this a problem in North Idaho? What's going on? I mean, can we just chalk this up to election year antics? Like, what is going on? Uh, I don't know. I mean, she basically thought, uh, you know, and said in the hearing that the degradation of American society will ultimately lead to us eating each other. Um, And and to be fair, there is a a case up there right now going through the courts of cannibalism. Uh, Really? There is. There is. uh, I don't have all the details off the top of my head, but that is something that rarely comes up, but sometimes it does come up. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So election year, uh, the the session they're trying, as we talked about at the beginning of January, as you, when you came on, um, lawmakers are, you know, they're they're putting out bills to kind of rile up their base on a lot of occasions, as well as trying to wrap things up in rapid order so that they can get home, 
campaign and uh, be ready for May for uh, f- for when they would be uh, potentially um, in- elected, uh, at least in the primary. Um, so halfway through the session, what's left to get done? So much. I mean, as we <laughs> talked about earlier, like the idea that we would potentially be well on our way to having basic operating budgets for the different state agencies. That was, you which know, was the goal, that right? Was the of goal. the plan. Yep. We don't. We're not there, and we certainly don't really have any of the the new program or line item bills, uh, you know, really out there for for people to see yet. Um, so that's the biggest one. The school facilities funding bill just got introduced. Uh, I think it was last week, and that's a whole. A whole lot of pages and so oh, many yeah. different things going on with that, including the tax facili- cuts and yeah. Oh my gosh. And the facilities bill, is this partly, I mean, uh, the Idaho Statesman and ProPublica, their great reporting on these crumbling schools, especially in rural districts. Is this bill in some ways meant to address that, yeah, some uh, of those issues? Yeah, meant to address that, not to mention the uh, there was an internal uh, kind of watchdog report from the legislature that came out, I think, a couple years ago now, uh, saying that it would cost, you know, I think it was $850 billion with a B uh, to get every school in Idaho just up to a, a good, you know, <laughs> facility level, uh, sort of maintenance level. Uh, yeah. Huge backlog. So, I mean, some have even said that, you know, this is well over that. Th- there's even more more to be done there. So that's supposed to address all of those concerns. Um, we still haven't gotten a hearing as of, uh, you know, when we're recording this on uh, late Thursday morning. So I'm sure it's going to come up soon. Uh, however, I don't know how that's how that's going to go. Uh, it seems to at least have been a compromise between the governor's office and the legislature. So I don't know how much uh, real opposition there is going to be, hmm. um, or at least, you know, the threat of it getting voted down. But uh, still so much left to do. Yeah, because that target date, March 22nd, that's that's coming up pretty soon. Um Governor Little's launch program? What's the status on that? Oh, man. Uh, You know, he put on a brave face earlier this week saying that hope springs eternal um, (laughs) and basically is relying on the fact that this thing is popular. Like we we had more than 12,000 students uh, in in just a quick, quick kind of like. What is it again? Yeah. Yeah. So basically any graduating high school senior in Idaho can get up to eight grand for um, tuition or to cover program costs uh, for in-demand careers. So things like, you know, nursing, welding, uh, all of those things. They had $75 million to work with, and they have more applications than they can actually dole out money for, um, at least for generically. Now now they're going to have to be like, okay, well, now we're going to focus on these uh, specific in-demand careers um, and what these kids want to do. Hmm. But, I mean, that that's a lot of kids, right? Yeah. I mean, gosh. Uh, Governor Little is basically saying, don't fund this at your own peril. It is going mm. to come back and bite you, <laughs> bite you in the ass, hmm. uh, because constituents want this, kids want this. Uh, you know, it's it's a great program, especially as we're trying to um, meet this high demand for uh, for bodies to fill seats. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. That, all these jobs that are unfilled. These, yeah, this brain drain. All of these issues that have been around in Idaho for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to kind of piggyback on the Megan Blanksma thread, mm-hmm. she was the chief sponsor in the House. 
And oh, speaker Mike wow. Moyle was not a fan of Idaho launch when it came up last year and barely mm. uh, passed by one vote in the House. So does that spell <laughs> its doom in the House? Uh, I don't know, but it's certainly not looking great. Mm, way to connect the dots there. That was that was good. You tied it all together there, Jimmy. Um <laughs> Well, thanks so much for coming on, uh, breaking down some of these stories. And uh, yeah, for your sake, I hope it wraps up soon, but also uh, for Idaho's sake too. Get everything (laughs) done, guys. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks for listening to CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia, Grant Irving, and me, Frankie Barnhill, with extra help this week from Dylan Brogan, Natalie Rivera, and Noah Snyderman. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter with help this week from Adrian Gonzalez and Brian Vance. Our music is by local band Up Is The Down Is The. We're off on President's Day, so we'll see you back in this feed on Tuesday. Bye. Bye.